The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. While all Bulls fans know and have seen the rise of Kobe White this season, I'm going to talk about today why Kobe White should be the NBA's most improved player, but why he's still likely to be overlooked for that award. We're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls being shut out of All-Star Weekend completely for the first time in 44 years, and a former Bull is the on the uh, finalist list for the Naismith Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about all that, plus mailbag, right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host there, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for today, and I want to talk about One, Alec Jacoby White, a player who was having a a breakout season for the Chicago Bulls, who has really, uh, in in a lot of ways, been one of the lone bright spots for the Chicago Bulls. I would assume was come up with him as well. And while we talked a lot about Kobe White over the last couple of months, and, you know, even kind of earlier in his run, kind of more around mid-December, we were talking about Kobe White's chances to win Most Improved Player of the Year. Now, as the the voting is is, and the odds as far as betting sites have changed, Kobe White has gone from being the fourth, having the fourth best odds to win the most improved player to the second, still behind Tyrese Maxey. I think that Kobe White is going to be overlooked for the most improved player of the year award, but that's okay. Kobe White still, to me, is adamantly should be the most improved player of the year this NBA season. And because of what the nature and the name of the award is. Now, we know the most improved player of the year doesn't always go to necessarily most improved player per se look at John Morant the year that he won it even though he was the second overall pick people kind of had those expectations but Kobe White has gone and has by the definition of most improved has done it in every facet of the game and to kind of lay this out we got to talk about Kobe White's career here with the Chicago Bulls for uh, over the course of, of time right when you look at it Kobe White initially coming in his rookie season only starting one game I think that one game was the last game of that season if I'm not mistaken started one game for that Chicago Bulls team and under Jim Boylan was mainly used as basically that 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 scoring that punch off the bench right playing 25 minutes per game he did average 13 points per game over that on decent enough shooting of 39% and 35% from three point range and then you look at his second season second season he started 54 games in the second season of his NBA career and that was fine that was the first year under uh, Billy Donovan, who Billy kind of used him more as a, more, uh, he started him way more. He started 54 out of 69 games played, but even his role was kind of inconsistent. Now, he did average 15 points per game over that time. Got to give love up to, to, to Kobe White in there. Then, the first season after Lonzo Ball and the major changes with the team, that's when Kobe's role and kind of his scoring uh, opportunities and things like that saw a step down, right? Uh, 12. points per game in that he still started 17 games for the Bulls and still played 27 minutes per game. Now, his shot uh, output did increase as far as percentage-wise. He took three less shots than his sophomore year, but still hit that at a 43% clip and 38% 
um, from three-point range, both increases of about 25 to 3% from the prior years in those areas. And he still was averaging three rebounds, three assists per game as well, and right under a half, right over a half a steal per game. Still having really good impact for the Chicago Bulls off the bench. And then you had last season where Kobe White, you know, the minutes became more uh, more inconsistent. He played the least amount of minutes average-wise since his rookie season. That was actually the least amount of minutes he played in his NBA career at 23 minutes per game. He did play 74 games, started two games for that. But that's when Kobe White started understanding how he needed to impact the game because the shots weren't always going to be there for him, only averaging 9.7 points per game. Now, he did that on much less. The first time in his NBA career, he averaged less than double-digit shot attempts per game, but still really efficient, 44% uh, from the field there and 37% from three-point range. Most of his shots, look at him only taking about eight shots per game, four, four and a half of those were, were three-pointers. So his role, as far as offensively, was determined, right? He was one of those players that was going to get mainly threes. The Bulls needed a lot of three-pointer, a lot of three-point shooting. He, he mainly did that. But when you look at the things he did, three rebounds per game, three assists per game, on the least amount of minutes per game, and defensively had the first season of him being a positive defender when he was on the court. His, his on-off court numbers were looking pretty solid at that point in time. But 9.7 points per game, which leads us to this season. And this season, statistically, which we're going to talk a little bit more than just the statistics, but he's increased his output by over 10 points per game, going from 9.7 points per game to 19.6 points per game. And he's doing that at the ha having the most efficient season of his career, 46% from the field overall, 39% from three-point range, both career best numbers for him. He's also averaging the most shots that he has at 15 per game. He's doing that with 4.7 four rebounds. 5.3 assists in that time, right under a steal per game. Kobe White has increased in every single measurable statistic as far as the output that the, that the stats will tell you. And even with the advanced analytics, will tell you the same thing. Kobe White is having almost a 60% true shooting percentage, which put him at almost elite category. It just is the fact. His usage rates also the highest, while his efficiency is almost the highest. Kobe White, by the nature of the name, most improved, has improved the most, and then outside of the measurable statistics, we're seeing Kobe White grow as a leader. Not only being more vocal on the offensive side of the ball, being that point guard and talking to guys about where they want to be, but even though he's not the best one-on-one -on -one defender, he still has stepped up defensively as well as his communication on the defensive side. We've seen him grow and step into big moments as well for the Chicago Bulls. Now, he hasn't got a whole lot of those fourth-quarter shots that we like to see, especially in crunch time. Billy Donovan starting to trust him a little bit more. And this is not to knock the seasons that Tyrese Maxey is having, for example. But Tyrese Maxey was already a player that was prioritized in that Philadelphia 76ers team. And, of course, that role grew even more with the departure of James Harden. That makes sense. Alfred Singoon, who, uh, as well, is another player who has stepped up into a different role, being relied on way more heavily with Ime Udoka coming into that team as a coach and recognizing what Singoon brings to that team. But... To me, and this may be my own bias as a Bulls fan, and I can admit that, Kobe White has done the most improving in not only role, output, but also his leadership. And there needs to be something said about the way that the growing as a leader is important to being the most improved player. I will go on to say that the growth that Kobe White has had has impacted the Chicago Bulls' overall outcome more than even with Tyrese Maxey rising his point-per-game output by five points per game, and he's he's, he's risen in other areas and assist, and he's become a little bit more efficient as well, but it is up the ceiling more for the Chicago Bulls than what Tyrese Maxey has done. Same thing with Sengu.
I think when you look at Singoon, definitely the coach coming in there and having just a better coach overall has definitely helped that. But to me, and again, I'm a Bulls fan, and that that you can color that for how you will. But to me, Kobe White not only has been the most improved, he's also been one of the most impactful for what his team needed him to be with with the start of the season with DeMar, Vooch, and Zach all shooting career lows. But the fact that Zach then being in and out of the lineup, Kobe White stepping in to give that impact right away, basically, in the month of December, and he's taken off and run with it since then. And to me, if Kobe White is truly going to be in this conversation for most improved player, while Maxi has the, has the go, right? He's on a team that everybody watches. They have an MVP candidate. They've gone on playoff runs before. All eyes are going to be on what Maxi does. And when you see it and you and you know they're outside of like Ben Simmons and a couple of other people who have, uh, I'm sorry, Bill Simmons, not Ben Simmons, Bill Simmons, outside of him, there really haven't been a lot of people on the national stage to really talk about the season that Kobe White's having. Kobe White can't have a fall off after the All-Star break. If anything, if he truly wants a chance at this award, he's going to have to maybe even step it up a little bit more after the All-Star break with the Bulls winning. When this conversation first started about Kobe White's chances to win most improved player, I said that it will come down, in my opinion, to the fact that the team's success just isn't there. But we saw a player in Laurie Marketing win it last season when that team wasn't necessarily the best either, didn't have like this amazing run. Can, can Kobe White do it? We'll see. But I think overall, even if he doesn't win most improved player, it's just going to be another thing that Kobe White uses to continually motivate himself because that's what Kobe White has been over his NBA career, even when his role has kind of been inconsistent for the Chicago Bulls, he's always been somebody who's kept a positive outlook and has owned his own failures, mistakes, and growth. And that is why I think regardless if Kobe White is overlooked for most improved player, probably still going to be one of the best things for Kobe just by the nature of who the player he is. But let me know what you guys think on all that down below. With that said, the Bulls, this is the first time in 44 years since 1980, that the Chicago Bulls have not had one player featured in the All-Star Weekend at all. That means rising stars, skill competition, three-point contest, uh, you know, the All-Star game itself. The Bulls have not a single representative in that game, in, in the All-Star Weekend as a whole. And this needs to be something that I think the Bulls also should use for motivation, right? And it could be well, right? The reason why I think this may be best for Bulls, DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White and a lot of our players are averaging so many minutes. The Bulls need this break, both physically, and not to say that All-Star Weekend is too physically taxing on players because they do it every single year. But it, 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 in, my, in my opinion, with the Bulls, one of the biggest things that they need is rest to get those fresh legs, to kind of regroup, group, have some time to kind of focus on how they want to change and attack things coming out of the uh, of the All Star break, it sucks to not to see any Bulls represented, right? Even though you know the dunk contest was whack yet again. Shout out to Mac McClung for winning it; he should have won it again. Shout out to him for being a back to back slam dunk champion, joining some of the greats in that. The three point competition was was cool. The skills competition was much more exciting than what I what I was giving it credit to coming in. But we the Bulls not having any representation is kind of just. It is, it is what it is, right? And I know I say that a lot, but it kind of comes down to that for me. It just is what it is. This season for the Bulls has been an up-and-down season. And I, I would much rather my team get the opportunity. I know a lot of those guys are going to be at All-Star Weekend, though. But to, to use that for motivation and to focus and to put another you know, notch in you to go ahead and, and get ready to, to attack this All-Star break. Because I'll tell you what, the 27 games the, the Bulls have left after the All-Star break going to be 27 important games if this team really wants you know, to, to make a postseason appearance. And let's see if they can do that. Now, before we get into the mailbag, I just want to acknowledge one thing. Doug Collins is a finalist for the 2024 uh, Naismith Hall of, Basketball Hall of Fame. 
And he's he's in there as both the coach and a broadcaster, which he did uh, both really well. This is a guy who's coached for the Chicago Bulls uh, before he's come back to the Chicago Bulls. Now he's still currently listed as as a consultant for the Chicago Bulls. He's the executive. Uh, he, you know, he's in the executive brain. He's the senior advisor of basketball operations. So he's an advisor to uh, to Arturis Karnasova. But Doug Collins is somebody who coached Michael Jordan uh, before Phil Jackson ended up taking off. But he did turn the, that Chicago Bulls team into an Eastern Conference finalist. He then ended up going to the Detroit Pistons uh, from 1995 to 1998. Um, and then he coached with the Washington uh, Wizards as well, coached with the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, Doug Collins is a guy who, you know, he almost got brought back for the Chicago Bulls. Jerry Reinsdorf decided he didn't want to do it because of his relationship with Doug Collins. But Doug Collins is somebody who I do hope does get into the uh, Hall of Fame because when you look at his contributions, the fact that he's been able to do it, who the players that he's had up under him, Doug Collins is somebody that I think deserves to get into it. And, uh, yeah, just shout out to Doug, Doug Collins for making it that far, a former Chicago Bull. But all right. It's, it's Sunday, so that means it's mailbag day. Let's go ahead and get into these voicemails. This first one, this one's from Reginald. Hey, this is Reginald from Columbus, Georgia. Uh, when it comes to Philly being moved to the front office, uh, like you and Pat said, I don't mind that. It means getting a new person in. I also uh, agree with Pat to a degree that uh, it's difficult for me. While he's not like some great coach, but just someone who's faster with the adjustment and if Billy Dolphin is not in the picture, odds are that Levine probably wants to stay. And with that Levine staying and DeMar probably leaving either via a sign and trade or just free agency, because I honestly don't think the Bulls have the money to pay him unless they're playing on I don't know, using the career ending exception on Lonzo and then like using that to pay him. But I doubt he'll get more than like fourteen, fifteen million a year. Same with Pat uh Pat Williams, but my thing is, who would be a good replacement for Billy Donovan if he leaves? Whether that's uh, Fleming or some other assistant, like who could get a respect of the players there and know that the best way to win is by playing good team fundamental basketball. But uh, like, Billy going to the front office, and that's something like, like I said, me and Pat talked about it. I had it on yesterday's episode, and there's been varying degrees of 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 uh, you know play, uh, fans really kind of you know, wanting to see that or not or, or things like that. But when it comes down to Chris Fleming, I get it that he was faster to make adjustments, but here's my thing. When you're the head coach, it's a lot more than just making adjustments fast, right? And so, like, like I said, I'm not to say that Chris Fleming shouldn't interview, but I just don't think if, if Billy Donovan were to move on into the front office in any other role, whatever it is, I just don't think that Chris Fleming should just get the de facto head coaching position. The Bulls should still do a search. They should still do a look other young candidates out there. And Chris Fleming should be one of those guys who's given an opportunity to interview for it and to see what he can bring. I, I'm not saying that he shouldn't get an opportunity, but I just don't want to narrow down our search just into Chris Fleming. I just don't want it to do that just because he showed some flashes as taking over as the interim head coach while Billy Donovan was out with COVID, right? I just, I think it was COVID. I, I think that's what it was. I don't want to see him just get it down just for that. Now, as far as Billy Donovan moving into the front office, could that mean that Zach Levine stays? I think that the, now that the trade request is out there and now the kind of the situation, I, here's the thing. Have there been players that have requested a trade that ended up staying with their team? Yes, absolutely. That's happened over the course of the history of the NBA. I don't think it's common, though. And then when you look at kind of, you know, at times where you felt like Zach Levine kind of quit on the team, things like that, is that something you want to keep going? There's a lot of questions to doing that. Could that be a, a, a result of Billy Donovan moving to the front office? Maybe. He still would be theoretically with the franchise then. So 
maybe that, I, I don't know if that really makes that much more better now. How much do players really interact with the GM is one thing as well. So a lot of questions in that, but great, great perspective. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective at all. Uh, Reginald, and I want to hear from you guys. What do you think, do, could Billy Donovan potential, and this is all potential, this is just a scenario I cooked up, but uh, if he were to move to the front office and a different head coach could come on, do you think that that could change Zach Levine's desire to want to be traded, especially since it seems like he's going to have to come back and play for the Bulls anyway to kind of up that trade value and that market for him? Let me know what you guys think on that down below. All right, let's go into the next voicemail. This one's from Shay. Yo, what's up, Hayes? Look, man, I hear Danilo Gallinari is either going to the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Milwaukee Bucks. So the way I see it, Marcus Morris is the only logical choice. Now, look, I know people going to say Evan Fournier. I know people going to say uh, Her Joe Harris and all that shit. But, I mean, let's think about it, bro. We already got enough guards. Yeah, Fournier could play a little bit of small forward, but, I mean, let's face it, he's really a guard, and we don't need no more guard depth. We need powerful, most likely power forward depth at the, at the, for the most part. I feel like we already got enough wing and guard depth. You know, we need somebody at that power four, at that power four as well, just in case if Patrick Williams doesn't come back, and we definitely need somebody for some insurance. I know you don't want Robert Lopez, so I think that uh, Marcus Morris would be he may not be the best option, but I think he will be the most safest option, in my opinion, due to the fact that you don't see him get injured a lot. And then too, he does offer something else besides three point shooting, which is defense. And toughness. Another thing, I know this is going a little bit off topic, but what the hell is going on with the NBA? Bye. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. PJ Tucker. For saying for requesting the trade from the Clippers, and another thing, what caused Isaiah Stewart to hit Drew Eubanks in the face? I'm provoked. I mean, damn. I know the Detroit Pistons been losing, but shit, they ain't they ain't nearly enough reason to be punching somebody in the face, especially when they ain't even in your conference, especially when they ain't even LeBron James. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right, Marcus Morris as a bio candidate. Here's what I'm going to say. I get what you're getting at with that, especially if the Bulls are looking at size. Marcus Morris just, to me, isn't, he's not, we're, we're trying to add three-point shooting. And keep in mind, Joe Harris has played a lot of small forward here, especially over the last couple of years when he has played. It's almost been more, more small forward than it has been shooting guard. I know we do have <clears throat> a lot of guards on this team, but you also have to look at it. Javon Carter is a guy who's getting minutes, who those minutes can instantly go to, to Joe Harris, right? So, and, and also, now, you did say if Patrick Williams doesn't come back, which that, that paints a whole different scenario and picture because at that point, yes, absolutely, I agree with you. But if Patrick Williams does come back, you have Patrick Williams, you have Torrey Craig, I don't see uh, a Marcus Morris passing either of those guys up in any type of minutes on the depth chart. And the, and the one place that there could be more minutes, especially with Zach Levine being out more season, is out on the wing. So, you know, Marcus Morris is cool. I'm not trying to paint him as anybody who's bad. He's a 
career 37% three-point shooter, so that's solid enough, taking four-and-a-half three-pointers per game. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if the Bulls do pivot to him. Great great voicemail from Shea there. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Vaughn. What's up, guys? This is Vaughn. Uh, I was just wondering, so if the Bulls front office keeps everything relatively the same, uh, and it comes down to basically a choice between DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on who should be traded because we know this Bulls team wants to stay below the luxury tax. I don't necessarily see them being able to move off Alonzo Ball's contract unless he's medically, you know, retired. And then Vucevic obviously seems like a tough one to move off of. So if it comes down to a DeMar DeRozan versus Zach Levine thing, assuming they want to stand at that luxury tax, do you think they should just let DeMar walk and then keep Zach if he has no trade value, uh, move to that small forward position and let Caruso or Iowa Sykes too? And then just try to have Zach build his trade value? Or what do you think about that? And then, uh, second question I would have, uh, about the draft. So I've been looking at Donovan Klingon and Kaleo Ware. Uh, which one of those two players do you feel like would be a better fit for the Bulls and how important do you think it is for them to draft the center for the future? But let me know what you think. All right. Peace. If it comes down to Zach or DeMar to avoid the luxury tax, I think that the Bulls are kind of pigeonholed in it to being Zach because DeMar is a free agent. I just don't know if if it comes down to this free agency and before the start of the season, the Bulls absolutely need to either let DeMar walk or or trade Zach Levine. I think letting DeMar walk is probably the the more likely scenario just because you're not going to want to trade Zach Levine in a deal that's going to completely and utterly be an undersell. You want to give Zach Levine some of that chance and opportunity to up his trade value. Also, even if DeMar does walk in free agency, like I said, there's the opportunity for a signing trade to where you're getting something back rather than nothing. So if it comes down to the avoidance of the luxury tax, I think it's going to come down to DeMar DeRozan just not being re-signed. Not to say that I think that's the best choice, but at the end of the day, I think it's kind of the same, right? So that's what it comes down to. Now, as far as college centers, now I've talked about this guy before. I think the best prospect for the Chicago Bulls in the center market is Kyle Filiposki. I think that's the guy who needs to be signed, averaging 17 points per game, eight rebounds, 2.7 assists, almost two blocks per game, as well as Kyle uh, Filiposki is uh, averaging, I think I'm saying that right, 1.7 blocks per game. He's also averaging a steal per game. And to keep in mind, the Bulls don't have a second-round pick. The other two guys that you mentioned, in, in Donovan Klingon and also Khalil Ware, they're both projected to go in the second round. Now, that can change, right? And where the Bulls pick, Kyle Filiposki Fili- uh, uh, is definitely slated to be right around where you suggest the, and even depending on if the if the Bulls make it out the plan or not, that could even be a reach to take him where the Bulls pick may be that they're reaching and kind of getting him a little bit early. So to go to second round when we don't have any second round picks, we only have a first round pick. Not to say that Khalil Ware and Donovan Klingon aren't really good prospects as well. Sophomore, all three of the guys are sophomores, so still really young as well. I just think that Kyle Filiposki offers the best prospect for him. Khalil Ware is really good, too. He's more athletic for sure, I think, than the other, than the other guys. He kind of projects to be, if anybody's going to be a more modern type center, it, it's maybe him. He's averaging one and a half blocks per game as well. But the thing with him is he's averaged one and a half blocks for both his years. Kyle Filiposki uh, averaged less than one block per game his, his, uh, his freshman year. Now in the sophomore year, he's averaging 1.7 blocks per game. So Khalil Ware kind of projects it'll be a little bit better. He's also shooting the ball at 44% from three-point range. He's only taking one and a half per game, so kind of more modern there. Uh, Filiposki, for example, is averaging three and a half three-pointers per game. And he's hitting that not as good, but at a 34% clip. So if you're kind of looking for a more modern center, Filiposki kind of does that, but more athletic, high-level 
Kyle, uh, Khalil Ware also. Donovan Klingon is a guy that, yeah, I like too, especially like he's kind of just a center that just rebounds, block shots. He's really good at that, averaging 2.2 blocks per game right now uh, in his sophomore year. But I like all of these guys, and I just think that where the Bulls are picking, they may not look at the other two because they'd be so big of reaches, and I don't see the Bulls trading into the second round either, but it could. I mean, maybe they do trade with the team and trade back and get them, which is a possibility as well. But those are probably the best center prospects for the Chicago Bulls in this draft unless things go really left to where they can get towards the top of the draft. And then the best center in this is, of course, Saar. But uh, that would come down to the Bulls. He's he's going top three, probably top five at the bare minimum. And I just don't see the Bulls drafting that high. So you kind of got the best prospects for the Bulls there. Great point there. And I'll definitely cover them as we go towards the offseason as well. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from T'Challa. Yeah, this your boy T'Challa. I just wanted to add from today's show, I was being sarcastic with the New York Knicks future. They don't have a future. Their future is just to get their ass whooped. And when I was talking about our future, I'm talking about the, the, the three core members that we have, you know. So as far as that unit, no, we don't have a future. As far as going to the playoffs, being sassy, well, the play-in, being sassy, and whatnot, like some other teams that's on the back end of, of, of the one through six, you know, just being sassy, they're going to get their ass put out is what I was going uh, is where I was going with that. The whole thing is our only future is Io DeSumo, Kobe White, and, and, and the rest of the young guys. All we can do is add to that. You know, as far as our real future, it, it, it lies in them. And all we can do is build around them next year. You know what I'm saying? Anything pertaining to the, to, to the, uh, to the, to the New York Cowboys, it's all sarcasm. And, and, because I know, the only future that they have is to go to the playoffs and get their ass whooped. The thing is, with our front office, those were great moves at the time, as I as I as I'm gonna keep reiterating. The thing is, they just didn't pan out. They ended up being duds because if we look at those players, the player numbers and those player performances, as what Demar did in his career, as what Butchman did in his career, oh, anybody would be like, damn, yeah, yeah. That was great moves, and the whole city was going up. We always like, yeah, those was a great move, but it didn't pan out with them being together. So the thing is, all we can do is is now work up something and eventually get those guys out. So we were fucked even making trades and stuff like that. And then we had to play a little hardball with different players such as that because we can't take pennies for a dollar. You know what I'm saying? We can't take a couple of dollars a $100 bill, you know what I'm saying? So the thing is, we had to play that hardball, but by next year, and if we still end up in this situation in the offseason, we're going to have to just get them, you know what I'm saying, get $50 for that 100 you know what I'm saying, at least, you know what I'm saying? So that's just the situation how it ended up. You know, we we, we couldn't predict all them players wasn't going to work together and then Lonzo was going to get hurt. From the numbers and those, and, and those players' individual career, you would say, oh, yeah, that shit it was going to work. And it did work. We were the number one team. That's what people, like, keep going around. We were the number one team at some point throughout that season until the injuries started to compile. So the whole thing is it ended up plummeting and exploding with. All right, T'Challa, here's the thing, bro. And, again, I don't mean this snidely at all. You're a big supporter here, and I appreciate you. You know, we've had, had comment, uh, uh, conversations in the comment section. But the thing that you're missing in this to me 
It's just because they were great moves on paper at the time. Front offices are judged by the results of the moves that they make, and that's where the team ends up. If they didn't work out, they weren't great moves. You can't give credit for something that was on paper. That's like saying somebody had the potential to being a great player, but they never hit it. Guess what? Then they weren't a great player. You don't get credit for something looking good on paper. You do when it initially happens, but every front office is judged by the results of the deals that they've had. And you said this. You, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, fuck from the beginning. We were fucked from the beginning because they weren't good moves and they didn't end up that way. Yes, you brought in three players that didn't really fit together, that had really good individual seasons last year, but you don't get credit for that because it's about you're trying to build a team. The whole purpose of being a GM isn't to bring over players that can have individually great seasons and you not get nowhere. It's to increase the ceiling of the team. And even with you saying the Knicks, guess what, though? The Knicks outlook, you can say that they're going to be eliminated and they're the Cowboys. You can say all of that. But I guarantee you right now, Bulls fans would much rather be in a place where the fourth in the Eastern Conference have the chance to go to the second round and then can say we can steady build off that. They would much rather be in that place that you're building off something and you have something worth fighting for. Your own and my own, because I don't like the Knicks either, and I do think the Knicks are going to go out ugly in the playoffs. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're in a they're, they're worse than the Chicago Bulls. Guess what? They are in a better place than where the Chicago Bulls are, period. And it seems like, and I got to be honest with you on this one, I'm not trying to come at you, but it seems like you have your predetermined thought of, oh, the front office isn't that bad, or the front office has done everything they can, we need to, and, and then you let the facts kind of fill that narrative. The front office hasn't been good. It just hasn't. By the results that are on the basketball court, they have not been good in, in the decisions that they've made. The initial uh, decision to bring this team together, win Lonzo Ball, yeah, we were number one team in the East, but we were number one team in the East while beating the, the the worst teams in the NBA and even during that stretch go back and look when the Bulls were literally number one team in the East and this was my first year doing this show I was saying hey if the Bulls keep playing like they are right now we're not going to stay number one team in the East because yes while we had that stat of being number one team in the East there were glaring holes on that team that were that were potential signs to the team's downfall even if Lonzo hadn't went down right the, the, the biggest thing about that first season with the Bulls when they were, no, were number one team in the East that I go to is to say that that would have been a great platform for a team if everybody would have stayed healthy to then let's go out and fill the holes on the team, which is what the New York Knicks have done with their roster. So this thing of just focusing on the Knicks, at, at the end of the day, they're better than the Bulls. And at the end of the day, they have, whether they end up capitalizing on it or not, they are in a much better position to where you can see the future that they do have of trying to build one than where the Bulls are right now. That's what I think. I mean, I get it to Chalo, but I think at some point you got to move off your undying love for this front office and be able to review it objectively. Where the Bulls are right now are results based off the years of decisions that this front office has made. And if we're going to come out of it, they're going to have to start making better decisions. But let me know what everybody thinks on that down below. Let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Corn. Hey, what's good, King? What's the word? It's Corn, man. Um, let's get into this first half of the season, man. Let's just get right into it. Uh, you know, because I've been watching shows and shit, you know what I'm saying? And I want to first say is um, this season has been overwhelming and underwhelming at the same time. Um, the overwhelming is dealing with Zach Trade, dealing with a team that's first half of the season, that it was just bad, bad, bad team. Um, now we're, we're in the middle of the pack. I get it. We're not even admitting the pack. Let me not even say that. Um, it, 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 it's a real problem, team, when the underwhelming is that we ain't made no fucking moves. Uh, I'm not saying to make trades to make trades, but we need to make something happen. Um, 
I believe uh, a subscriber, a caller called in about the Knicks, calling them the Cowboys, whatever. And you said it right, regardless how you look at them, anything, they're making moves. And they're not just making moves to make moves, because if they were just making moves to make moves, they'll be where we at. They number four in the East. They're in the conversation is being a contender, not even being competitive <laughs> like us, right? No, they, they, they're, they're, they're actual talk of them being a contender. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and another thing about Mark Eversley, um, get written. It's funny that you said to go to Orlando to a place that you feasted for by the boost trade, and now you just go up over there and uh, hop on that bad wagon. And, you know, I see, you know, that's a, a little bit of a, a conspiracy uh, for all my suspirators there. Um, <laughs> but um, us not making moves, us not doing what we need to do, it, it's going to keep us where we're at. Um, you already know, you already heard what I said about the month of March. I don't think we're going to make the plan. I'm sorry. You said that I, I hear you. We playing 500 basketball, but who the teams we was playing? And the teams that we was playing, they still took us to overtime. It was times that we thought we was gonna lose the teams that we shouldn't lose to, and then we lose the teams that we shouldn't lose to. But this month, and like I said, I'm gonna keep on saying it. This is the make or break month. This is the make or break month. If they don't get it right, <laughs> I don't even see us in the fight, King. And if then. What the fuck are we even here for? So always, man, appreciate the haze, man, King. Blessings. I think you hit the nail on the head. The season's been underwhelming and over and uh, and uh, overwhelming at, at points and times, right? Like they like there are parts of the team that you absolutely look at and say, like Kobe and Io, they have really played so extremely well and been such a key part. Alex Caruso doing exactly what he said he wanted to do and coming in and shooting the ball better and having this offense matches defense. But the team's success overall and where we sit as a team has been underwhelming, has been disappointing, and the injuries and things, of course, play a part into that. This has just been an interesting season for the Chicago Bulls and a season where, you know, I hope that the offseason brings some clarity, but I've been saying that for years now at this point in time. So I, I don't know, man. Like, like you said, I hope the Bulls don't miss the plan. I don't see the Bulls missing the plan personally. I do understand that March is going to be a tough month for the Bulls. And that's going to be kind of what tells the story of what we're going to look for. If the Bulls make it out of March, I said it, 27 games left. Uh, and a big chunk of that coming in the end of February uh, and March, because there's not that many games in April, it's going to be important for the Bulls to show what they can really be, play together. And I think that's why getting healthy is, has to be such a priority for this team as well so we can ride out in the rest of the season. But I right now don't see the Bulls missing the play-in, but I can understand for sure your, your points that you're making on why you are concerned about that. Let's see where it falls. Guys, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to another episode of Locked On, Locked On Bulls of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.